You guys, we have a special treat today. Call him the man in black, like Johnny Cash. Don't, 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 don't. Not everybody can pull off purple. That's what I'm saying. Bro, you're looking good today. Oh, thank you. So are you. Yeah. Happy anniversary. I don't know if you guys know Drew. Drew is a longtime friend of mine. He has just been made rector-elect of Incarnation Church in Williamsburg. That's right. That's a great city, and they're good people in that city. We are counting the days before yeah. we can be there, but sad to leave Roanoke, for sure. We're sad for you to leave, but we're so excited because we've got some Naval Academy friends. We've got some Young Life friends. Yep, I bet. That's a, that's a good church you're going to, buddy, and I am so happy for you. Well, thank you very much. Anyway, um, Drew, tell me, what, what have you been doing the last 24 hours? <laughs> Um, oh, nothing much. Yeah, nothing much. There are currently two pods, two filled pods in our front yard uh, filled with stuff. We have, um, so I have a wife, Mary Elizabeth, and four kids under six years of age. There's Woo! currently nothing in our house. And uh, Did you brush Mary your teeth this morning, man? I just want to know. Well, we are standing six off. feet apart, right? Mary Elizabeth snapped a, a photo of me on the front porch this morning, standing up, finishing the finishing my sermon. And so it's, it's not every day that this happens, but we are all the same delighted to be here. So thanks for Awesome. We're so glad you're going to bring God's word to us. So this passage that you've read is, is so timeless. People will often say that the Bible is irrelevant or outdated, that these ancient writings of an agrarian society can't possibly speak to us moderns. Let me just say, I've I've come to think the total opposite. Mm -hmm. The other day, I was in my backyard pruning a rose bush, and my four-year-old daughter, Juliana, was there just watching me over my shoulder. And she was stunned by the amount of branches I was cutting off. She was almost in tears until finally she asked me in, in like the most confused sensitive voice that a four-year that only a four-year-old daughter can muster. Daddy, why are you cutting off all the pretty ones? And in that moment, I I had two feelings. The first I admit was complete panic. I looked at all the branches on the ground and wondered if I had just killed the thing. But the second was sympathy. Mm. Haven't we all, like like Juliana, asked God a similar question. Jesus says in verse 2 of our gospel reading that every branch that does bear fruit, the Father prunes. It's every branch, every single one. That's, that's all of us. I've experienced this before. Have you? Oh, yeah. Is it fun? It's terrible. Zero fun. Yeah. There are times when we must submit to the pruner's knife. When, when God allows us to go through pain or when he cuts away some of our most deeply held and precious goals and, and ambitions or when he says no to something that we thought mm. was actually going to be really good for us, maybe this season of coronavirus has felt a little bit like pruning to you. Things were going so well, but then... Um, like, like a branch cut off from a vine, life just stopped all of a sudden. And you lost your job maybe, or your friend got sick, or you got sick, or worse. And this morning, God is inviting us to ask him 
why. Why does he allow us sometimes to suffer? Why does God prune us? And I love that the Bible allows us to ask those kinds of questions without us getting in trouble for it. Because what we're going to do is as we look at this passage, we're going to ask that question, why does God prune us? And in John 15, Jesus points us to three ultimate purposes. So why does God prune us? Number one, to prompt us to remain close to the vine. Jesus describes himself as a vine. In ancient culture, a vine was, it was the sign of life. And the logic was simple. Vines make grapes, grapes grapes make wine, and wine makes good parties a little better. Yes. And so a vine was a widely known symbol of abundance. And yet Jesus is no ordinary vine. He is, according to verse 1, the true vine. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. In other words, he is, if, if the vine is life, then the true vine is the life of all life. Jesus is life itself. He is, he is the beating heart of the whole universe. So vines make grapes, grapes make wine, wine makes for great parties, but Jesus is the pulsating Uh, energy and personality behind all of that abundance. Mm. He's the one who created the vine. He's the one who created the grapes and then looked at them and thought, you know what? I have an idea. I think we can make this even better. Jesus is the source of all life, bubbling over into the creation that we all know and enjoy and love. But not only did Jesus... Here's the thing. He didn't only reveal himself in creation. Um, He stepped into it. So think of that. The author Wendell Berry likes to say that in all of creation, God is the wildest by far. And here's the greatest mystery of all. It's that not only did Jesus reveal himself in creation, not only did he step into creation to abide with us, He also stepped into creation to abide in us. That's an amazing thing. Yeah. I found no other religion, no other faith. No. Nobody can hold this, that God can be separate and yet fully present in his creation. And so God is so big that we can't even begin to wrap our minds around him. And yet, the one true and living God, who is Jesus himself, somehow in all his power, abides in me, in you. Now that word abide, Jesus loves this word. He says it nine times in 11 verses. And if you kept reading past what we read, he says it even more. He loves the word abide. Think it's important? Yeah. What does it mean, Pastor? Well, okay. So it, it means normally to dwell in, or to make your home in something. But Jesus means something even more intimate than that. Because mm. I, can, I can abide in my home, but still not be a part of it. But can a branch abide in a vine and remain separate from it? Do something different from it? No way. Jesus says, 
you and I were made for an intimate, an intimate, constant, life-giving friendship with him. And when we give ourselves to Jesus, we become one with him. And then he becomes one with us so that there is ultimately no real separation. Except here's the thing about branches. They tend to branch out, right? So growth is good, but not all growth is good. Like me at Thanksgiving time, not all growth is good. (laughs) Remember the rose bush I talked about? I trimmed it less than two weeks ago, and it's already starting to peek over our six-foot fence, making us look like the crazy neighbors. That's pretty fast. It's pretty fast. All the rain, all the sun. So the further those branches get from the vine the more likely they are, this is the problem, to wither and die. They must be pruned if they are to live an abundant life. That seems counterintuitive. It does. because it, And here's the thing. It sometimes it, it feels like God tends to prune us during our most fruitful seasons, right? Like it seems like just when we hit our stride or close the deal or get the promotion or just when we've started enjoying the relationship, those are the times when God allows everything to come to a screeching halt and suffering comes out of nowhere and conflict comes out of nowhere and sickness comes out of nowhere. And we ask God, why? Why does he insist on pruning us like this? And Jesus responds with the same word over and over again. Abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in me. To be more present to Jesus, we must be less present to other things, even good things. And so God prunes us, not to punish us and not for pain's sake, but so that we will learn to abide in Jesus, just like Jesus abides in us. It's actually a sign of his love. I was thinking of the scripture that God disciplines his children, right? Probably doesn't discipline those who aren't his children, but he certainly disciplines his children. And why does he discipline his children? Is it because he's mean? Hmm. No, no, not at all. It's because he loves his children. It's so hard to see that in the moment. Totally. And so, again, the Bible allows us to ask these hard questions and not get in trouble. God is kind. He doesn't want us to lose our way. So he allows us to ask questions, and he sends Jesus to reveal his purposes to us. So that's the first purpose. Why does God prune us? To prompt us to remain close to the vine, our source of life, because he loves us. But there's a second reason, and that is to protect us from getting in our own light, to protect us from getting in our own light. Are you a gardener? Well, one time, and I had such a big garden, it was such a pain in the neck. This probably did it well. Never did it again. I'd have the biggest garden in Virginia, Mm -hmm. and it was like half an acre, and it was ridiculous. So no, I don't garden anymore. The world thanks you, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm actually not a gardener at all, either. Ask my wife. But here's what I know. Uh, about a rose bush. It's that if you leave it to itself, it's going to get all straggly and tangled. And what it's going to do is actually, it's actually going to start growing in on itself and get nasty like a briar patch. Mm -hmm. Um, It will produce a lot of not so good roses rather than a few beautiful roses. And why? 
it's because it's quite literally growing in its own light and keeping ah. the light from getting to the center. So rose bushes need a gardener to help them grow in the right directions. And so do we. This is Jesus's point. We Americans tend to be so obsessed with productivity. The shelves are filled with productivity. And to be completely honest, I have more than enough books on my shelf on productivity. So even pastors have been sucked into this Mm -hmm. culture. In our minds, the unproductive life is the unfulfilled life. And so when there's not a global pandemic keeping us at home, we tend to busy ourselves at every moment doing everything possible to succeed. Just every single direction. We're like a rose bush. We're fruitful and we're growing in all kinds of directions. But inside, we're a tangled mess and we need to be pruned. And God will often prune from us good things. And that's so hard for us to handle. Like he'll cut them off and it seems crazy to us. But God is a skilled gardener. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't just pull the weeds like a novice, something I could do pretty well. He actually cuts the fruit, prunes the fruit like an expert. The rose bush becomes more fully alive, more fully itself with every branch that's pruned. And the same is true of us. God made us, he knows us, and he knows that there are more things we could do than we should do. But he's interested in helping us to become our very best selves. Thomas Merton was a Christian author in the Mm -hmm. 20th century. Uh, He put it like this. He says, for me, to be a saint is to be myself. What he means is to to be whole. This is what it means to, to be holy and to live an abundant life in God. It's to be not the self that is pulled this way and that by the Mm -hmm. culture and by Mm -hmm. the world, but to be the self that is your truest and best self. It's to be the gift that God made you to be for the world. And so God helps us to get there. He's our closest friend. He's our very best ally. And he helps us to become what he knows we can be. And so why does God prune us? First, to prompt us to remain close to the vine. Second, hold on. Do you need Do you need that? Uh, like right now, probably. Yeah, every day. I do. It seems like every day. Right. Because I'm in comfort, and just without the Lord intervening, I'm going to go off path. I'm just going to. That's going to happen. So, like the very fact that He does love us enough to discipline and to prune us, it to me is not a bad thing or a sad thing, or it is. It's a wonderful thing. It means I have a Father. Father who knows me and cares about me. So, yeah. You know, that when that rose bush was growing haywire in my yard, I didn't, I, I didn't look at it much. I didn't, and that was the problem, right? I didn't look at it much. I didn't tend to it. But I was never closer to that rose bush than I was when I had the clippers in my hand. And so when God is close to us, sometimes the friendship is so intimate mm. that it can be invasive and painful. But Jesus is reminding us that God has great ends for us and loves us. So that's the first thing. The prompt is to remain Mm -hmm. close to the vine. 
Second, to protect us from getting in our own light. Mm. I'm sorry, the third one also starts with a P. I've never done this before. Did you go to Baptist seminary? I, I did. <laughs> I did. And, and P is just, there's so many words that start, you know, it's so helpful. So um, finally, the third reason is to prepare us for a joy-filled future. Okay, look with me at the end of our passage, verse 11. Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So would you believe it? Joy is the outcome of this process. Who would have thought that? Jesus wants us to be filled with joy and fully alive. He says that his joy is our joy and that our joy is his joy. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be happy in him. This is the language of friendship. Mm. And that is the greatest gift we can celebrate, that we have become friends with God himself. There can be no greater joy than to know that we are valued and precious and loved by God and that we have at last found the place of total rest for our hearts. Mm. That reality alone can sustain us when life hurts. Jesus is speaking these things to his first disciples on the eve of his death. He himself was about to submit to the pruner's knife. He was. And the disciples would too. It was the most painful experience of their lives. When they saw Jesus crucified, they were completely disillusioned. Mm -hmm. They had no idea what God was doing. All those psalms of mourning became at home with them. Mm -hmm. What are you doing, God? Where are you? How long? And like, like the wounded vine with the, with the branches cut off, they had to wait for new life to flow in them. But in time, they learned that God was pruning them for something new mm. and, and, and for a life more centered in God and in the things of God. Three days later, their joy would be full in a way none of them had ever imagined. And then they received the Holy Spirit and their joy is full, full, full. And Jesus gives the same promise to us. The pruning hurts, but it doesn't last forever. Hmm. But the life God gives us in place of what was lost, does. Mm -hmm. It lasts forever. So I got a question. Mm. So he says, um, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Is Jesus here saying, hey, look, I'm going to prune you and it's going to be just awful, like a full body castration, you know, circumcision. It's going to be awful. But uh, then one day down the road, you're going to have joy. Is that what he's saying? Or is he saying, no, actually you can... If, if you abide in me, you'll have my joy even now, even during a time of suffering and pruning. What do you think? Absolutely. If you flip over to chapter 17, mm. verse 3, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Again, he's saying these words to disciples who are about to be completely disillusioned and suffer but he wants them to know that they can tap into the life of God even now mm. by trusting that God is good and that even though his 
discipline can wound us, ultimately it heals us. Yeah. Ultimately it heals us. And so we can be joyful. And so I, I want to close by, there's this great quote from Jonathan Edwards. If you haven't heard it, I would encourage you to write it down. It is so good. It's been so good for me. Jonathan Edwards once said, our bad things turn out for good. Our good things can never be lost. And the best things are yet to come. Mm. That is the joy that Jesus is talking about that can be in us even when we suffer. And our job, our most important job, Jesus says, is to abide in him. He is the vine. Mm. We are the branches. He is the source of our life. He is our joy always. And so let's live into that this week. All right, Pastor, I got a question for you. Mm -hmm. As my daughter said, two things, two things. Oh, yeah. No, actually, I just have one. Okay. Let's say that, um, let's say I'm a 12-year-old. I'm a 12-year-old, and I, I, I have faith, and, I, and I, I'm growing in my knowledge and understanding of the Lord. Um, but what, I'm, what I want to know is, abide, abide, abide. Uh, how do I do that? Mm. What does it mean? I mean, just say I'm a 12-year-old. It's like, Pastor, how do, I, how do I abide? I want to abide. Jesus tells me to abide. But I'm not exactly sure what that looks like. I mean, do you have some practical ways? Like if, if just anybody met you in an elevator or you talked to a kid over lunch and they said, Pastor, Pastor Drew, how do I abide? Because I want to do it. I just don't know how. What, is it, what does it mean? The reality is we all want to, we all want to experience this one-on-one, -on -one deeply spiritual experience with Jesus. We want to live in that uh, every moment of every day because it is so good to be with him. But in order to cultivate that, disciplines must be put in, must be put in place. So it's so hard to answer that question when, mm. when we're in a global pandemic and can't even meet together as a church family physically, right? But it is to, to be connected to the vine, is to remain in Jesus's words. You see that in mm -hmm. there? That's what I was looking for. Yeah. If my words abide in you, he says. What verse is that, Pastor? This is seven. If you okay. abide in me yes. and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Again, this is not a genie in a bottle. This is a very best friend who wants yes. to give you the world and plans to do so, by the way. And so cultivating these disciplines with your family of morning prayer, evening prayer, having Jesus be the very center of your home where prayer isn't some perfunctory thing that's added on, but it is the vine of your family. Yes. That is how you live. And as soon as we can meet together as a church family, it is, it is receiving the body and blood of Jesus yes. for us, yes. actually bringing him into us so that we can have spiritual union with him. And so we long for the day when we can do that again. But God will sustain us until then. You know what I was thinking, Pastor? I was thinking um, we, we have in our mind this construct of like, we got, I got to do these 29 things to abide in the Lord. I actually think from Jesus' perspective, it's not that hard. Hmm. I mean, does he want us to spend time in his word? Yes. Because hmm. his, his words are life and truth. They're a light and a lamp. Um, does he want us to pray? Yes. I mean, there are all kinds of spiritual disciplines that are gifts and graces. But honestly, I think it, it, he just wants to see, d does our heart have a desire to be with him? Are we looking to him daily to, 
to be Lord, Savior, and even friend, a friend that's closer than a brother. Um, he's not trying to, to make this so difficult. Mm. He said, if any will come, let them come. Mm. Right? Yes. Yeah. So many, so many times in our quiet times, we are, we are searching to gain something that we don't have, which is a relationship with Jesus. When really, you got a clean room. You just, you just need to clean a bunch of junk off of it, right? Like yeah. Jesus is extremely close to you. When you have received Jesus, he dwells in you and he wants to be, to have an intimate relationship and friendship with you. Mm. And so sometimes it's just getting away from distraction and letting yourself be with Jesus who loves you. Yeah. And I, I was thinking back to one time in our life where we had a very painful loss um, of somebody in our family died. And Annette and I honestly were quite shaken and we were, we were very sad. And yet, you know, the, the crazy thing was in the midst of that sorrow and sadness where honestly, we weren't able to pray long prayers. We weren't able to do deep Bible study. We were just overcome with grief. Um, I, can, I can promise you, and I would swear to you, that in that moment, Annette and I felt the presence of the Lord. We were abiding with him and he with us. He had come to make sup with us. The Lord did it because he's good and gracious. It's not like, hey, do these 99 things and maybe I'll come visit you and be with you. We found him right in the middle of the hardest time in our life. And honestly, we weren't able to give him much of anything. He was so faithful and so kind to us. Mm. So the good news for me is that the Lord is not trying to make this a Rubik's Cube or a maze. He's just basically saying, if you will open your heart and your life to me. He wants to be fast. I want to be with you. Mm. Yeah. All right, well, Drew, thank you so much, brother. Um, Father, we just thank you for your word in John 15. Uh, there's probably nine sermons that could come from John 15, but we thank you for what the meat you've given us today. And Father, we pray that, um, that we would not just hear the word, but we'd also be doers of the word. Help us have a heart desire birthed from the spirit to want to abide or remain or dwell with you. In, a, in other words, to be in relationship with you. Father, there's no greater joy um, than being in relationship with you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name.